Hello, very good evening, Palace fans. Uh, welcome along to another edition of the Red and Blue Review as we look back on yesterday's game at Sellers Park when Everton were the visitors and we ground out a nil-nil draw. So I've been saying on social media for the last 24 hours, I'm not quite sure what we're going to be talking about during this show, so you better tune in to find out. So my name's Ian Noble and I'm hosting tonight once again and with me uh on the panel tonight it's uh fergus tid uh my mate from upfield there he is hello ferg how are you very well ian thank you for having me on the show again evening Enjoy everybody You're very welcome and another evil sash shirt you've got so many palace shirts yeah that's pretty impressive that one i like that very good and uh mr nick philpot a late substitute for gel holyoke but welcome along again nick hello, I, sh nick. I shouldn't be here good evening everyone good evening facebook land and and uh, Ferg, it's not about question of having you back on the show, mate. You are a part of the show now, so you you are yeah, very welcome, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Cheers, absolutely. Mate. Yeah, very good evening uh, to Tim Richards as well. Hello, Tim. Evening, uh, Ian. Hello, everyone. Hope you're okay. Good stuff. Okay, and we've got plenty of people joining us as usual. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a special week, of course, for Nick Philpot. Um, you've been celebrating your big six zero. I understand. How did it go, buddy? We had a lovely, well, I've actually had a lovely couple of days, okay, and it's, it's also going on to this weekend as well. But no, I had a lovely day. Thank you for all the messages out there. Everybody, I've got loads of messages from, obviously, the Red and Blue Review crew, but also the uh, people watching the show, lots of private messages, and I'm grateful for each and every one of them. Thank you. I don't feel 60, that's for sure. Well, I don't <laughs> I'll stop saying it. You don't look it either, or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Um, listen, it's been a Sunday that keeps on giving, isn't it? First of all, Spurs letting five goals in 20 minutes, which was hilarious. And then Brighton play for 120 minutes at Wembley and lose a shootout. And it's pouring with rain. They've got to queue up down Wembley Way. They're probably queuing up down Wembley Way as we speak, uh, getting soaking wet and um, being taunted by the, the London-based Man United fans. So, quite funny. And I'm going to tell you a story, guys. This is a true story. This happened to me uh, less than just over half an hour ago. We were preparing to go uh, go live on the show. We always have a pre-show and a chat. So, half seven is the time we normally come on and have a chat pre-show. And my uh, doorbell goes, and there's a guy outside. He's broken down. Don't forget, I live in Sussex. He's got a Brighton shirt on, and his car's broken down outside my house. And he asked me if I've got any jump leads. And I say, uh, no, sorry, mate, I haven't. Uh, and he said, can I borrow your car? I found the jump leads. Can I get a start? And I said, really sorry. No, you can't because I, um, I've i got a show to do. I've got, and I didn't tell him what, obviously. But uh, in the end, my neighbour helped him out. But it was quite funny. Felt a little bit bad not helping him. But uh, Nick, would you have helped him if it was a Brighton fan that asked you that? What do you think? Uh, obviously, <laughs> absolutely not. I've got, a, a, I've got a stat for you guys. Okay. Brighton. As we're all laughing at Brighton, and we love to do so on this show, Brighton have failed to score in four of their six games at Wembley in all competitions and remain winless in all six matches. Drawn two, lost four. It's the most any club side that have played there in that stadium without ever winning a game. How unfortunate. Fabulous. You've got you've got too much time on your hands to get stats like that, but well done. Very good. Yeah, mouldy music for sure. Okay, listen, before we get into the game, uh, to, uh, back from yesterday's game, um, let's just look at what's been happening at some of the other sides at Crystal Palace Football Club, which we always do on this show. So, first of all, um, the under-18s uh, were in action yesterday. 
uh, against Chelsea. They drew one all in the under-18 Premier League at Cobham. And their next match is against West Brom, which is next Saturday, uh, three o'clock kickoff at the training ground. Okay, so that's the under-18s. The under-21s, uh, they were in action last Monday um, at the academy um, against West Ham. Now, I watched this game online, and there were 3-1 down. They came back to draw 3 all, and they played for an hour with just 10 men. Um, one of the players was sent off, and their next match is against Wolves um, on Monday. So we play Wolves um, on uh, Tuesday, but the under-21s play them on the uh, Monday night. And then they've got a semi-final of... Um, they play Valencia in the semi-final of the Premier League International Cup at Sellers Park on Wednesday the 3rd of May. Now, you can go along and watch this one. It's uh, just £5 a ticket from the box office or online uh, Wednesday the 3rd of May in that semi-final um, against Valencia. Should be a good game of football, that one. And then the ladies, uh, Palace women, uh, they played today. Uh, they beat Lewis 4-1 um, in the Championship at Hayes Lane. And that's their final home match. And their final match of the season is against Charlton uh, next Sunday at 2pm kickoff. That's a great uh, result today. So, you know, it's been, a, it's been a reasonable week for the club's draws all round. No defeats there at all. And um, opportunity to see some of those other teams in the future um, week coming up. So, uh, let's look at the game yesterday. Um, after the uh, three wins on the spin under Roy Hodgson, of course, uh, the, the expectations were high going into the game yesterday at home to Everton. Um, but we knew it was going to be a tough game. We knew that they'd come and uh, defend for their lives as well as try and sneak something at the other end. Um, if we can get the team up, please, Greg, that would be really good. So we could go through that. And um, there we are. There's the lineup. So Sam Johnston kept his place in goal, despite the fact that Vincente Guita was named on the bench, which was an interesting one. And I want to come back to that one later in the show. What would you have done? Would you have given uh, Vincente the shirt back or did uh, Roy make the right decision in keeping Sam in goal? Uh, back for Ward captain Addison Gahey, Mitchell, the Cure, Schlup, Eze, Elise, Edward and Ayu made up the uh, team. And then on the bench, you've got Tompkins, Richards, Milivojevic, um, Sambi Lokonga, Riedeveld, um, MacArthur, Hughes, and Mateta. So there's the lineup. Not too many surprises there, I don't think. Um, Fergus, we travelled up together yesterday and we didn't yeah. watch them together, but you're going to lead on this. Um, tell us what your thoughts were about the lineup, first of all. Pleased with it? Or. Yes. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, okay. I mean, he kept the same the same team that played last week, um, and they certainly played much better in the second half. But you don't change a winning team, and uh, yeah, Guita's got to earn his place back, I think, in that team. So for me, Johnson first pick, uh, but it's a luxury to have you know two top class goalkeepers in the team now, um, and it also gives Guita more time to recover, I think, because you know I think he came back too early, was injured again. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so yeah, the game itself. I mean, I know you've kind of landed me with this, and there's not really <laughs> too much content to talk about. Yeah, good luck, a, good luck yeah, it was a bit of a boring, boring game. But well, before um, you start, before you start, let me in, in, interrupt. One thing I wanted to say, and I forgot to say during the lineup thing, Everton turned us around. They did. Yes, yeah, so, which and, and, I don't like. 
But it's interesting tactics. They must have won the toss. And they must think that must play with us a little bit because they know which way we like to attack in the first half and in the second half. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but they turn us around. No, but that's yeah, Sean Dice for you. Yeah, we picked it up in the, in the stands as well. We uh, we mentioned that as soon as it happened. Very unusual. Yeah. yeah I think they were doing all they could to rattle us, weren't they? Mm. Um, yeah, so we... we um, we went into the game. I mean, our record against Everton isn't great. I think I think we've won one in the last 16 um, league games. We obviously had the FA Cup win um, uh, last season. But um, Everton's form, the last five games, they'd drawn two, lost three. Um, they had no away win in 11. So the odds were stacked in our favour. And we were coming in on the back of three wins on the trot. So... Feeling really, really positive. Um, yeah, game kicked off. Um, Everton had a couple of early chances. Fourth minute, McNeil, um, he had a tame effort at goal, which um, Johnson saved easily. Seventh minute, um, Awubi picked up the ball uh, midfield, played the box into Cavalier, and again, his shot was, was an easy save for Johnson to make. Um, and then in the ninth minute, we got a free kick out on the left-hand side. Um, Elise took that free kick and I, I don't know about you, but when he lines up, it's, it's almost it's like Johnny Wilkinson when he used to do the, the kicks for yeah. the England rugby. Yeah. He's like almost like square onto it, but you just you just know he's going to deliver a quality ball and he did. And in a crowded area, IU jumped the highest and unfortunately headed the ball over the bar. Didn't um, jump quite high enough, did he? That was the problem. He didn't. That was the problem, yeah. But it was, it was quite a crowd congested area, so he probably did the best that he could. It was, it was unfortunate, but but yeah, that I mean that would have been a you know have been lovely to have scored that early in the game, but um, unfortunately not. Um, yeah, twentieth minute, um, Elise I think had that run down the right hand side, um, just knocked it past. He just kept running, he kept running, he kept running, and then um, Milianko kind of forces him off the pitch, just inside the box. And we all appear for a penalty. It's not given. I think the ball was already out, um, to be fair. Yeah. Um, it was a close call, that, wasn't it? Because Tim was sitting was. in front of me and I was screaming in his ear, um, penalty. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought it was a pen. I thought, you know, it would have been a soft penalty, but he fouled him and it was just inside the area. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things. I don't think Val checked it either, did they? So, um yeah, it was just just one of those things, really. Um, then, oh, God, I'm really struggling now. 26 minute, are you left? <laughs> um, it crosses the ball. Uh, Schlupp misses it. Um, and Mitchell picks it up and he blazes the ball over the over the ball, over the um, over the bar. Um, and then a, a minute later, Mitchell gets booked for foul on Ghana. Um, so that was the first yellow card of the game. And then um, 32nd minute, uh, Iwobi had probably the best chance for Everton in the first mm, half. Yeah. Um, poor set piece from Everton, but the ball came back out to Iwobi and uh, he smashed it. Um, Johnson's right, he just stretched out, strong save, pushed the ball out to the right. And again, I've said it before, this is what I like about Johnson in goal, is that when he saves, he makes sure that that ball doesn't come back out into any dangerous areas. He pushes it towards the corner post or pushes it out for corner or 
Um, he's a slow pair of hands, I think, Johnson. Yeah, um, sure. So, so that was probably Everton's best chance. Yeah, good save, wasn't it? I mean, Tim, would you go along with that? You know, what Ferg's saying about the save um, through lots of legs. You can't have seen it till late. Yeah, I think he's he's covered himself in glory each time he's played so far. For me, he's definitely our number one keeper now. Age, apart from anything else, is age. Um, but we've got a lot of young players in the team, so it's great that we've got a young keeper like that who's showing so much promise. Obviously, loves the club. And good on Roy for, for keeping or giving, you know, letting him keep his place. Yeah, and um, of course, during that first half, we had that um, applause for a young lad, Liam, who lost his life yeah. after the Leicester game, which was um, very sad. Liam Foley there. Um, you know, it's an RTA, wasn't it, or something? But um, yeah. whatever yeah, it was, yeah, very he sad. Got his girlfriend apparently was running the London Marathon today, so I hope she did well. I've no idea how she got on. Ian, can I jump in now? Yeah, please do, Nick. Um, what, I don't know if you've, everybody's aware that there is there was actually a just giving page for the for the late the lady Liam's girlfriend to uh, she was looking to raise twenty thousand pounds for uh, which ironically it was actually the brain injury which is subsequently what he died of because he got hit he got hit by a bus after going out celebrating uh, it was I think it was was it the Leeds game or the Leicester game anyway Leicester game Leicester game yeah. And, and he got hit by a bus in Brixton. Anyway, so she had already set up a Just Giving page for for a brain injury charity, and it was her target was two thousand quid. The last time I looked at it, Nigel, if you're online, could you just double check it for us? Uh, the last time I looked at it, okay, because of what happened to Liam, God rest his soul, it was over twenty two thousand have been collected. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so sad moment, but you know, I, I love the way that, that our crowd comes together for things like that, you know. Uh, and I'm sure it happens at other clubs as well, but um, I think it's a special place, Sillers Park, when we remember one of our own like that. So, is that the first half pretty much, Ferg? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, well, the, the, the last important part of that first half, I guess, was Ayu when he was brought down by Holgate and that was yeah. his first yellow card. Yeah. That was in the 37th minute. Um, yeah, so, and obviously we know what the outcome of that was. There's, there's actually a lot of comments in the, um, uh, around the uh, performance of the referee and I'm sure we can talk about that. Um, yeah. uh, quite a lot of people thinking that he was poor. I don't really like to comment because I'm always critical of referees and everyone goes, oh, yeah, shut up, Ferg. You're always going on about ref. But I think he was particularly poor yesterday. But um, hey-ho. I think he's only been in the Football League a couple of years. He's one of the new ones, isn't he, John Brooks? Yeah, his so, name's uh, Brooks, isn't it? Jay Brooks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And on par, it was madly, according to this, although someone said it was Darren England, the move they changed it or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he seemed to let a lot go. Um, when it was against us, and then when we found one of their players, he couldn't wait to blow up, you know, whether he was a um, you know, the Everton shirt on under his refereeing top, I don't know, but you know, he just seemed to 50 50, everything seemed to go their way. Tim, what, what did you think? Yeah, I was, I just furious with, I get so sick and tired of you know, you watch the TV or you listen to the radio. And all you ever hear about is we should respect referees, all this kind of stuff, which we should. But how about some respect for fans? I'm sick and tired of seeing refs that are so obviously incompetent, biased, but also linesmen. Most of the linesmen we get, I see no point in having a linesman because they'll never make decisions. 
They always wait for the ref. I mean, yesterday was a prime example right in front of us when Gray went down like he'd been poleaxed, where it was like 20 feet from us. He yeah. wasn't touched at all. The ref didn't give it until Gray started rolling around. All of a sudden, he gave a free kick. Yeah. And a bit later on, I think it was Ayu, which does remind me to say, I think we should be honest with the listeners about Gel. He's not ill. He's actually gone to his local AA meeting, which is actually the IU Appreciation Society. But there was a time where IU, I mean, the defender was all over him, was grappling him, and nothing was given. And yet, seconds later, another nothing tackle or two players come together and Everton get the free kick. It's every game we get that, and it's multiple times every game. But you never hear the media pick it up. You never hear anything said about it. I think it's about time reps were mic'd so we could actually hear when they book a player or when they're giving a decision, why they're giving it. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, if nothing else, um, you know, interviews afterwards, you know, the players and the managers are all interviewed. You know, why shouldn't the, the officials be interviewed and questioned about some of the um, more marginal decisions, say, during games? Um, Yasmin makes an interesting point. The linesman was awful. He could clearly see what was going on and did nothing. Now, this is interesting because are, are the are the assistant referees allowed to intervene on that? Some do and some don't. Nick? Um, I, I read that comment from Yaz as well. Yeah, I mean, there, and there was obviously two linesmen yesterday, but there wasn't. There was a lines person and a lines man. Now, she, her point yes. is that the lines man was making stupid mistakes. I was actually... Because she was on, pitch, was on your side of the pitch. I was actually keeping an eye on her performance. She was sharp and extremely, extremely sharp and on point. I'm not too sure about the other guy. He was more your side. Yeah, you're, you're, you're coming in and out a little bit, Nick. Um, I think we hear what you're saying, though, that the, um, the lines person on the far side, the lady that was running the line, um, was sharp and on point and, and made some good decisions, whereas the guy on our side was pretty useless. So, uh, so yeah, um, I think we'll see. I think I think the problem with the officials, Ian, is this: there's an unconscious bias towards these big teams. I think the referees probably some of them might not even realise they're doing it, but it's always like, oh well, it's Everton, so it must be a foul. You know that 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 just seems, and and I think Palace fall foul of that more than than most teams do. We always seem to have poor referees. Sellers, especially yeah, especially when a big team or a supposed big team in Everton, you know, are either struggling for relegation or fighting for maybe a European place. There's always that, yeah, that bias. Okay. Yeah, because Everton, you'd still class Everton as a big club, wouldn't you? I don't know about a big team, but you know, clearly they're they're at the wrong end of the Premier League table and at risk of being relegated um, for the first time in seventy odd years. So. You know, for them, it's a, well, it's a big deal for any club, but it's a massive deal for them. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a big club. They're a bigger club, infrastructure-wise and history, you could say, than, than Crystal Palace. Tim? Yeah, I mean, but it's not just that. It's the same with the financial stuff, isn't it? You've got City and Everton and Chelsea, if they're not careful, very much fallen foul and proven to have broken the law. Nothing's happened yet. You can bet your bottom dollar if that was us or Southampton or a team like Leicester, maybe that would have been that would have, that would have been a lot more in the press. It would have been a lot more, and we already would have lost points by now. So it's just it's not even. I don't think it's unconscious bias, Ferg. It's it's almost 
on the verge of definite buys. Mm. Okay, Nick. Yeah. yeah, Chloe Johnson in the chat just made a very um, poignant point. She said, I don't know if any of you have seen a video that's circulating on Twitter, but it's from the French League and the refs are mic'd up. Very interesting. Although they wouldn't allow it over here. Now, mm. obviously, they are mic'd up to each other. The All the officials are mic'd up to each other. But I presume what Chloe's saying there is that they're mic'd up and they can be heard, um, whether it's in the stadium or whatever. Uh, what, do you, what do you boys think on, on that? Tim, you got your hands up. What do you think on... Yeah. Uh, it's actually... Yeah, because we had that down in New Zealand in the rugby, um, where for the first five or six years that we were there, refs weren't mic'd up. And... It's never quite as loud as, as a football game, but a lot of times decisions were made and people were like, what's, what's going on? But then they made the decision where all the refs get mic'd. So you hear whenever they talk to the video ref or anything like that to a player, you hear exactly what's going on, why the decision's made. It speeds the game up. Everyone knows, you may not necessarily agree, but at least you know what's going on and the refs can't hide them. It's out why they made the decision and it certainly helped the game. Mm, okay. All right. Let's. Um, it's interesting the way this conversation has gone because we haven't planned necessarily to do this, but it's good to chat these things through. Um, referee wasn't the best yesterday. Um, linesman on our side of the main stand wasn't really good. We thought the, the lines person, the lines lady, call her what you like, on the other side had a better game maybe. Um, let, let's look at the second half then, Ferk. Um, you know, let, bring us one or two highlights from the second half, my friend. Okay. Second half, 57th minute. Um, the Eze goal that was not a goal. Mm. Um, Eze makes he makes a great run. Yeah, you can see there just down the middle, and Mark Gee, um, yeah, passes the ball through, and it's a delightful little lob over Pickford and into the goal. And then very very quickly the linesman's flag goes up. Um, I'm in the upper tier homestyle, and from from where I was sitting, it looked tight, but it was given so quickly. I just thought oh, he must have been miles offside. But look, looking at that picture there, I mean, it was actually a lot tighter than um, than I gave him credit for. So, yeah, um, unfortunate. But, yeah, that that's probably our biggest highlight of <laughs> this second half. So, so um, this didn't even make match of the day highlights? No, it didn't. No. For the second week, second week running, we've scored yeah. an offside goal, at least say at Southampton in the first half, and now Eze at home to... Everton, and in both highlights, match of the day decided not to show those particular highlights, which I find bizarre, absolutely bizarre, crazy. Nick, on that picture again, uh, have you? Am I muted? No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're on. Look at that picture again. If you remember the conversation we had last week, I had a bit of a gripe about Elise not looking along the line, and he yeah. should never. He should never have been. Offside, okay. You can see on the, on that picture there, the left back has actually stepped up, and rightly so. The left sided uh, centre half has stepped up, and rightly so. But he can see along the line. Why is he trained offside from from the, that geeky ball? He should. He's a professional footballer, okay. And the one thing you can, I mean, I'll be honest with you, from the stands, we thought that was as folk rightly said, we thought he was miles offside. Uh, I was, you know, everybody had stopped, and it was. Just, and the ball was in the back of the net, but he shouldn't have gone early as he did. Okay. And Ferg, you mentioned the uh, upper tier of the Homesdale. Can I make a quick observation, not, not related to that, that the scarf thing was quite well uh, sorted yeah. again yesterday. And I thought uh, it was really good to see. 
except for I've seen some pictures of the upper tier, were they all asleep? Were the upper tier asleep? I saw about two scarves go up. <coughs> Come on, guys, get involved. Anyway. Uh, come back to the offside. Come back to you. I'll come to you in a minute, Tim. Come back to the offside. Um, David Campion says he is miles offside in that pick. Yes, David, he is. Um, most of us in the ground thought he was miles offside. He was, you know, he's, he's a yard or so offside. But in the in today's terms, he is a mile offside. In as much as it wasn't one of these, uh, you know, kneecaps or toenails, was it? It really was clear daylight. Um, yeah. But I still, don't get why bloody match of the day don't show it. But there we are. Fergus. Uh, Tim, I'll come Tim and then back to Ferg. Tim first. Yeah, just one point I want to make looking at that photo, and it's having my glass half full Ian Noble head on. <laughs> you look at the progress we've made under under Roy. How many times under the era when we were playing would you have had a photo like that where you had four Palace players pushing up front looking to be positive? No, and that's what, yeah, they're all offside. They shouldn't be offside, as they shouldn't have been offside for that. But it still shows intent to attack. You've still got four players looking to go forward. So, yeah, it was a nil-nil. But I, I still think that is a great photo and a great stat for us. And, and, and that photo also shows four banks of four there for Everton. So it just goes to show, like, like you know, yeah. they, I think they came for a point. I wouldn't put it past them to put 16 on the field. Um, but yeah, okay. Okay. so goal ruled out anyway. Goal ruled out, and then, um, 62nd minute, Calvin Lewin had a chance, um, mm. where uh, there was a massive clearance from Pickford, and uh, uh the ball eventually fell to Calvin Lewin, and he swiveled. Uh, and shot uh, just past the left-hand post. Um, probably Everton's best chance, I would imagine, of the game. Um, thank God that didn't go in. And then um, there was a flurry of substitutions after that. Um, Mateta came off for Edouard Hughes for Slut. Um, um, yeah, Everton won their first corner in the 73rd minute. So that kind of shows, you know, how much attacking intent they had. Yeah, sorry, Nick, go on. You can jump I, in. I was you mentioned the subs, actually, Ferg, if you don't mind. Um, it's something that we mentioned in the stands yesterday. This is something that Roy seems to have evolved a little bit. If you remember, there, there used to be quite a criticism of him, of him leaving his subs till the 85th minute and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, what, what minute did you say? They, they start 71st. 70 minutes? 71st minute, We were minute, saying... Yeah. We were talking in the lower homes. They say he needs to change something. He needs to change something up. He needs to change something up. And in fairness, he did. Uh, it didn't succeed, but at least he did it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, sorry, go on, Tim. No, go on, carry on. Sorry. I was, I was, I was just going to, because there was, there was only two more actual highlights for the second half. One was Eze's chance, um, where Ayu put picked him out, and uh, Pickford scrambled across his goal and and turned it round for a corner. Are you placed it in the bottom, bottom right-hand corner of the mm -hmm. goal? Um, so that was unlucky. And then, and then we had the the sending off. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, are you? I thought I. I mean, he got man of the match, but I thought he was he was definitely our best player. And Holgate couldn't deal with him the whole game. And um, it was just a matter of time, I think, before he got his second yellow and his marching orders. But um, yeah, so that was it, really. 
Yeah, thanks for the draw. <laughs> I mean, interesting. Holgate hadn't played since um, March, I think. I don't know how many weeks he'd been out, but quite a few. And, yeah. you know, clearly he was, wasn't quite up to speed. And it was IU um, on both occasions that he fouled for his two yellow cards. I thought the one thing the ref did well in the game was to have the, you know, follow it through and, and send him off. Because, you know, you could see... Other refs say, oh, I've already given him a yellow. I'll, I'll let him off this one. You know, you, you've seen that happen before now. But he didn't. It was a yellow card. Um, I thought the first one was worse than the second, actually. But, you know, he, he followed through on it. Yellow card. Second one, he's off the pitch. Ten minutes to go. Um, I thought Menteta's reaction was a little bit unnecessary. Um, uh, someone's just said that. Mark Callaghan. Uh, Menteta, a bit cheeky getting involved in the sending off. Didn't need to do that. Um, it's not the way we do things at Palace. You know, he, he didn't need to, um, you know, start getting the crowd going and, and delighting in the sending off. Um, although, um, obviously, it gives you that advantage um, in theory when someone goes down to 10 men. Nick, you want to come in? Yeah, only, only you guys kept referring to a particular word. And I'm just going to make sure everybody out there has picked up on your comedy in case you hadn't realised it yourselves. So he got his marching orders. Okay, uh, he has been he's been out injured since March. Harland uh, Harland puts the ball over a penalty miles over the uh, over the bar the other night, and Solly March says today, "Hold my beer, gentlemen, carry on." You're here all week, obviously. Yeah, okay. Um, there we go. And um, one thing you didn't say, Ferg, at the end, Milivojevic had a shot, which was oh, we blocked. did, yeah. You know, it was on target. Um, would have been that nice if that had gone in. Um, and I think at the end it was all Palace, wasn't it? You know, we were we were we were attacking. We were the team that looked like winning the game. If anyone was going to win the game, uh, you know, we took the game to them. Tim, would you go with that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I wanted to say about the substitutions, and it did make me think on the train on the way home last night was, did we not give Roy enough credit when he was manager? No, he didn't make the subs, but he didn't have the players that he had available now. So whether that's reasoning um, behind uh, why he didn't make those subs before. Getting back to yesterday's game, look, at, at the end of the day, you're playing against the Sean Deutsch Everton who are playing for their life. They, didn't, they came not to lose, end of. And they got some good players and they made it very difficult. So I don't think we should read too much into it at all. They're still in the relegation zone. Come on. Um, but still... Look, if you turn around after the after the Arsenal game and said, "All right, you've lost to Arsenal. You're going to get ten points from the next twelve. You're going to break Premier League records for the number of shots, number of shots on target um, over a couple of weeks, not just one week." We bite the hand off. Yes, it would have been good to win yesterday, but I was a bit surprised looking on some of the social media comments. Not vitriol, but but the. the dissatisfaction and the unhappiness and I think yeah it would have been good to win and it wasn't the best most exciting game but it's a young team mostly they're still players learning their trade they're still playing a damn sight better than they were and I think sometimes people just need to like just kind of rein it in a bit and just take more of a holistic more of an overall view not just that one set of 90 minutes where we didn't win again two clean sheets again in the last two games Yep. You know, I think you've got to be a bit realistic with it, really. Absolutely, Tim. Well said. I think, you know, we've got to look at the positives. And, you know, you're quite right. You know, if someone had said to any of us after the Arsenal game, you know, the next four games, we'll give you 10 points 
or, or not, there's 12 on offer, we'll give you 10 points. Every one of us would have bitten a hand off for that. Um, and, um, you know, there's no question about it whatsoever. Um, yeah, uh, Mark Callaghan, I, I worked with an Everton fan. He was um, clucking about facing Palace. He will be chuffed at a point. So, yeah, they'll be pleased with that. Point on the road is always a good, good point in the Premier League, even when you're struggling in the bottom even when you really could do with needing three points to get yourself out of the relegation zone. And, you know, they had, they had one or two other results go their way yesterday, Everton. Um, Forest losing, Leeds losing. Um, we're going to come to the relegation a little bit later on um, as to who we think will go down. So the game finished nil-nil. Um, have we got the uh, we've got the stats there, Greg? Have we got the, the, um, the match stats um, to throw up? Um, not that one. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. So, you know, we have the majority of possession, 57%, uh, 12 shots to their 10, but only two on target. Um, and they have five on target, um, eight corners. They just had a single corner. The fouls are pretty even. Um, Tim, you talked about the number of shots we've had since Roy took over. Um, that's now in four games, it's 69 shots, um, 20 of them on target. So only two yesterday yesterday. in the last four games, 20 shots on target, which is a real step up compared to where we were under Patrick Vieira. Um, I don't think we would have done any better under Vieira um, in that game yesterday. It's the kind of game we could have easily lost. Um, We'll never know, of course. Um, So 37 points. Um, Roy interviewed afterwards, you know, are you safe yet, Roy? No, not at all. I've come to do a job. My only job is to keep Crystal Palace in the Premier League this season. Uh, we're not safe. We're not going to take our foot off the pedal. We're going to keep going. And that's what you want to hear. And, you know, we expect the team to do everything they can to win the points up at Wolves on Tuesday night as well. So um, where are we going next in this show? Um, I said earlier, um, we'll talk about Vincente versus Sam Johnson. In the in the chat earlier, you guys were sort of very much leaning towards the fact that Roy made the right decision yesterday keeping Sam in goal. And let's see what you think in the chat. Um, Nick, your view on this from, from yesterday's goalkeeping decision on selection. The guy, uh, Sam has done absolutely nothing wrong in any of the appearances so far. And in theory, in theory, and I, I do have a butt coming, uh, he should keep his place. Uh, uh, a, gives Guaita a, a bit more healing time, but B, it'd be really unfair on the kid to drop him when he's done absolutely nothing wrong. That being said, my other concern will be he makes one howler. Okay, if he makes one howler, what will effect will it have on his confidence? My opinion is keep the, keep the same scene with one exception that will come on to later. Yeah, and I, I was pleased that um, you know he did he did get selected ahead of Guita yesterday, and you know we don't know whether um, Guita is fully fit or whether he's you know ninety five percent. And if if we didn't have a, a another you know a first class goalkeeper, you know, a senior professional, then, you know, maybe he would have played yesterday. Who who knows? Um, the other one I want us to talk about is, of course, Wilfred Zaha. So, you know, we've won these 10 points largely without Wilf. Um, yes, he started against Leicester, got, went off injured. Um, he was missing for the two victories on the road and he was missing again yesterday. Um, let's say Wilf gets fit, not for Tuesday, probably too early, but let's say he's fit to face West Ham next Saturday. Does he get? Does he walk straight back in the side, Fergus? First of all, mm, no, not for Ooh. me. 
Okay. I think impact substitute. Yeah, I'd 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 keep the team that we've got. It's 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 a fairly strong team. It's got us ten points in the last four games. Um, and and like I said last week, um, you know, we get to the sixtieth, sixty-fifth minute, and it's nil-nil at Wolves, and Zaha comes on the pitch. You know, um, I think he could cause havoc, especially with you know those defenders trying to keep up with him after running around for sixty-five minutes. Okay. If we've got if we've got a one hundred percent fit Wilfred Zaha, then um, yeah, he could he could cause some damage. I, I would keep the team as it is, and bring him on. I'm not quite sure about the future. And if he comes on and scores a couple of goals, then you have to put him in the first team somewhere, aren't you? Probably yeah. at the expense of IU, I would imagine. Interesting. Or Edward, um, someone said in or the Edward. chat there, um, playing yeah. down the middle instead of Edward. Who knows? Tim, what do you think? Would you would you select Wilfred Zaha when he's fit again? Just on the keeper, before we do that, the other point to think about is Goyich is 36 years old. How many more seasons at the top flight has he got? As far as I'm concerned, Sam Johnson's our number one keeper now. Uh to still keep it, you know, in the team, in the squad. But yeah, for me, it's definitely Sam Johnson. Um, for Wilf, who would you take out exactly? I mean, you're looking at I Edward. I like Edward, but I I haven't seen enough from him or Mateta to say that either of them are really Premier League standard strikers certainly starters so if anything i'd keep Ayu in the team and maybe give wilf a go up front on his own because unfortunately i just don't think edward and mateta are cutting mustard colin squires says wilf is not a central striker though which he isn't he's a winger he's not but then how many goals has he scored versus our main strikers he's not a main striker but he scored more goals than them so just because you're not i mean just because you're not a up and run striker if you're still scoring goals, give them a go. You know, it's okay. the best players. There's not a lot of love for Edward in this chat at the moment. Um, my cat brings more to the um, side than Edward. Um, so we'll see about that. Nick, what do you think? For those of you out there that are saying, let him go to Arsenal, uh, he's, he's past it, his legs are done, he's not fit, blah, blah, blah. I'm about to be very controversial here. Give your head a wobble. This is a guy that has given us all those years. He's won us a million matches. He can turn on six months. He, he is the best player that has ever worn a red and blue shirt. And you're saying, leave him on the bench. Impact sub. He, let him go to Arsenal. Folks, accept the fact that Wilfred Zaha will be off in what well, is only a few weeks' time. We need to have our best ever player and enjoy Every single second that we've got left with him in a red and blue shirt on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, it's difficult, though. Um, I, th I think it's about his fitness. You know, if he is really fit and ready to play, then I think he should be selected. And I would say probably instead of Edouard, that's where I'd, I'd play him because I, I would drop IU, cannot drop IU after his last few performances. I'm not going to drop Eze or Elise. There was a guy, and I can't remember where I heard this, but I did listen to it online. It was on social somewhere where I think it might have even been your favourite radio station, Tim, um, on Talk Sport. And the guy said, with Wilf and Eze and Elise, there's too much sweetness in the Crystal Palace side. Too much sweetness. Can I, so, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Sturk in the comments has put Wilf on the left and Ayu central. 
he scored nine goals in 19. Yeah, that's a really good uh, uh, shout. Possibly, possibly, possibly. You know, and, and you know that the, the 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 chance you spoke about, I think seventh minute or something like that yesterday in the first half, when Elise puts the ball on a sixpence, it's on his head, and he just doesn't jump high enough. If he's an inch or two taller, he gets above it and heads it down rather than heads it over the bar. But um, to be fair, Edward should have been there, not I. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Maybe. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it is going to split opinion, which is why we're talking about it, because it's it's interesting. You know, it's it's not all everyone's got the same opinion. Um, Wilfred Zaha, I don't think anyone would question he's a legend, is is you know, our talisman is our go-to player, um, is the is the guy that we all um, absolutely love to bits. Um, but some are saying now when he's fit, he doesn't walk straight back in. He has to bide his time, has to be on the bench or play out of position or something. Um, to accommodate him um, going forward. Um, okay, um, we talked last week about the uh, the loan watch, and um, we'll we'll do that again. Just a quick roundup of the players that Crystal Palace have got out on loan. Um, Jez Ragsaki, he played for Charlton the full match. They lost three two at home to Morecambe. How the mighty have fallen! No, not even mighty. Imagine losing at home to Morecambe. I mean, Morecambe weren't even a football league club. I think of Eric Morecambe when I think of Morecambe, just showing my age. You know, I don't even know where it is. It's somewhere on the Lancashire coast, I think. But they lost 3-2 at home to Morecambe, and Raksaki played the full 90 minutes. Remy Matthews, goalkeeper, he conceded a single goal. St. Johnson drew one all at home to Hibernian. Rob Street started for Shrewsbury, uh, was subbed off in the 67th minute. Uh, Killian Phillips, your mate. You like him, don't you, for Killian Phillips? I do, yeah. He played the full 90 in a 1-0 away defeat to Bolton. Um, Jake O'Brien, he's in over in Belgium for RWD Molenbeek. Uh, this is one of the clubs that Texter owns, isn't it? I've got shares in. Uh, he played the full... Um, yeah, he, where am I going? I lost my notes. He played against uh, somebody whose name I can't pronounce in a 3-0 win. Um, Butland was on the bench for, for United today um, in the semi-final. Imagine if De Gea got injured and Butland would have had to step up for the penalties. That would have been yeah. quite amazing, but he didn't. Um, he hasn't obviously played any minutes for Man United, but he's worn their bench nicely. Um, Boateng played 90 minutes for Queen's Park in a nil-nil draw. Uh, Malcolm Aboe, he's one that we've um, we've eulogised about a lot on the show in the past. He, he only came off the bench for Hull in the 69th minute in a one-nil away against Watford. Uh, Scott Banks started and was subbed off in the 90th minute in a 2-2 draw for Bradford City. Again, I think he's one that's got a future. Um, John Kamani Gordon, he uh, played 71 minutes for Carlisle in a 1-0 away win. Uh, Luke Plunge played 80 minutes um, for Lincoln in a 2-0 away win. So these lads are getting lots of time. I won't go through There's a few others there as well. But of all these, you know, we talked about it last week. Which ones are going to make our... Um, squad next season. So we've got Raksaki, we've got Phillips maybe, we've got Scott Banks, Aboe, uh, Luke Plons. They've all got a chance maybe and it'll be really good to get them back into the club in the summer and see how well they do and how well they fit in and whether they've got any chance at all of playing any minutes of Premier League football next season. Ian, can I just jump in there about Jez? Um, yeah. I think it's worth noting that Jez Raksaki, and congratulations to him, he got nominated, although sadly he didn't win, for the Player of the Year in Division 1. 
So massive congratulations to him. And let's let's yeah. ask your question. He he's one for the future, uh, and I think a bit of realism that we need whatever it is, six or seven players in this close window. We're going to have to. We're not going to be able to afford six or seven players, even by removing Wilf's salary. So I think it's now time that these guys are, they're not children anymore. They're not 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Some of them are in their early 20s. It's time to promote them. And Jez Raksaki has to be one that will be a squad player with five or six subs next next. Yeah, year. a lot a lot of agreement with what you're saying in the chat. Bruce is, is agreeing with you. Uh, Tim? Yeah, just Nick makes a good point. And I think for me, at least three of those have to be in with a shout and have to get first team football. If they don't, I think it just makes a mockery of Parish and all the preaching from the pulpit he does about the reasons why the academy is there to supply the team. It's I still have concerns that really it's just a cash cow for the club um, because I just fear that these players won't get the chances to get into the squad. Mm, sure thing. Okay. Um, Ian, just a couple of mm. points. Um, uh, Tommy Samuel said that Texter was at the game yesterday. And also, I think Southgate was there as well, wasn't he? Gareth Southgate was there yesterday, yeah, yeah. apparently. So, um, yeah. well, I don't know. Was, was, probably Pickford, was he? <laughs> Eze, I would think. Well, hopefully, he was watching Eze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm joking. Um, um, obviously, there's Mark Gay here, there's Tarek Mitchell. Um, on St George's Day, we should celebrate the fact that we've got some. England internationals, of course, um, and uh, people knocking on the door of uh, stepping up. I think Eze is one that definitely Gareth Southgate should and will be looking at for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, can't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, okay, so we've done the lone watch. Um, we've done the game. Um, let's look at what we've got coming up because we've got six games left. Um Roy Hodgson was keen, very keen to say in his post-match presses about the fact that we are absolutely going to keep going to win as many points as we can. You would expect him to say that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. But we go to Wolves on Tuesday night. Um, it's a 7.30 kickoff. Um, I've actually got a spare ticket for that game, if anyone is really interested. Um, so it's up at Wolves, of course. Um, nice early uh, leaving uh, the Croydon area about... One o'clock, half past twelve, lunchtime, something like that. Um, and then we've got the early kickoff next Saturday, which uh, causes havoc with the pre-match, um, pre-match uh, drinking and all that kind of stuff because uh, the pubs aren't open generally. Um, so twelve thirty kickoff against West Ham next Saturday with the uh, cameras watching it, and then we play go to Spurs on Coronation Day. Can you believe that's still on Coronation Day away at Tottenham? Let's hope they play like they did in the first twenty minutes. At Newcastle today. Uh, then we welcome Bournemouth. Uh, real Jekyll and Hyde team Bournemouth at the moment, aren't they? They can go and win well away. And then today they lost 4-0 at home to West Ham. So they're still in the relegation scrap. And then we've got the Fulham game. I'm told by Grant Saunders that the boat is sold out. Um, 160 places on the boat have gone for that pre-match um, entertainment for Fulham. Um, but he's looking maybe at getting a bigger boat. Um, or something like that. So if you're on the boat, that should be a crack. And then finally, we welcome Forest to Sellhurst, which could be a massive game for them. It might be win or go down for Nottingham Forest. So um, who knows? So we've got a real part to play still in the relegation um, 
you know, what's going to happen with the clubs that are going to go down. So how many points are we going to get from those games? Um, we've already got some some thoughts there. Tony Quinn says eight points from those last six games. Um, what do we think on this panel? Let's come to you first, Nick. How many uh, points? We've got 18 up for grabs. How many are we getting? Well, when you were talking and we had the graphic on the screen, I was looking at the games in one by one. I've come up with a figure, uh, and I believe it's 12, okay, so, which I, I think is unusual for me because normally I'd say 18, let's go half of that. I'm actually more optimistic than that. And one of them that I think we'll get three points on is at Tottenham. Pub team. So you think we'll lose a game? Which, who are we going to lose to then? No, never said that. I never said that. You're oh, you didn't actually, you know, you're quite right. You didn't say I, that. I didn't say that at all. I've gone three wins and three draws. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Fergus. Um, I've gone three wins, two draws. Um, but thinking about it now, I mean, Spurs one away, I think, is the toughest one. And we don't have a very good record away at Spurs. Um, so I think that might be our one loss. But I'm hoping... Mm against all hope that, you know, with their current form, that we might actually nick something from there. I'll be happy mm. with a point. But, yeah, so I've gone, what's that, 11, 11 points. 11. I've got you 11. Okay. Tim? Yeah, I'd go 11 too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to call, isn't it? You know, hang on, hang on. What about you? Oh, all right, okay. Okay. I will say, I will say 12 points. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'd love I'd love to. Um, it would be marvellous, wouldn't it? It'd be absolutely marvellous if Roy Hudson's tenure as his sort of caretaker boss, he went undefeated. It would just be brilliant. Outstanding. And, and with the football that we're playing and the, and the attitude that we're showing and everything about the performance, there is no reason why we can't get something from every one of those six games. I agree. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever. Won't Chelsea be, are in our sights. Won't we be upset then, Ian, that we'll have just missed out on Europe? No, I don't think so, because I, <laughs> you know, I think Europe is a poison challenge. I was talking to a Brighton fan uh, this morning, and um, I was saying, look, you know, I think you've got a reasonable chance today. And he was saying, yeah, I think we've got a reasonable chance. Um, and I said, even if you don't win, you know, you haven't got to worry looking over your shoulder. You're OK in the league. You're probably going to qualify for Europe anyway. Um, but do you really want to play on a Thursday and Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday? And, of course, I don't think their squad, and it's probably a bit like ours, isn't strong enough to, for that kind of regime of football at the moment. And, you know, top of that, and on top of that, you're right to make that point. On top of that, they, they will lose some of their big hitters this summer. Make no mistake. I mean, they'll be clubs. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I hate to say it. They've got... They've got some great. They've got a good squad at the moment. Not a deep squad, as you rightly point out, but some quality players within that squad. Indeed, absolutely. They've, they've got some great players. You know, you've got to admire them. You know, I, I, I don't get one that says, you know, I'm probably going to get lots of uh, hate in the chat here. You've got to admire what they've done today. You know, they they played. They went toe to toe with Man United for 120 minutes. I, I thought it was mildly amusing. They lost, of course, I did, um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, they put in a good account of themselves and were a little bit unlucky um, in, in, in some ways. So, you know, they'll they'll play out the rest of this season. I think they'll qualify for Europe. But then next season, I think they'll struggle um, because playing Thursday, playing Sunday, playing Thursday and losing two or three of their better players, because I think some of them will. I don't want to turn this into a Brighton podcast for crying out loud. 
Um, but, you know, it, it is relevant to us because, you know, we are rivals and we always will be rivals. And someone said, yeah, was I talking to a Brighton fan? <laughs> yes, I was talking to a Brighton fan. I live in Sussex. There's, there's, I'm surrounded by them. I kid you, you have not. them in a headlock? Yeah, I'm surrounded by them. The, the, um, the other thing actually, is... in, all, in all seriousness, I've actually got some very good friends that are Brighton fans, and they're proper Brighton fans as well. They're not some of these plastics that support two teams. They do support Brighton, uh, and they live down here. So so I can't argue with that too much. I was going to say, and if they qualify for Europe, they might keep hold of some of those players that we're expecting to leave in the summer because... Yeah, you never know. You never they've know. achieved European football. But you've only got to look at West Ham at the moment, the way they're struggling. West Ham, should, with the players they've got, should not be where they are in this Premier League. You know, I think that European campaign has taken its toll on them. Um, we've got some interesting thoughts in the chat here. Um, Mark Callaghan said, Wall prowls to Palace next season, Nick. He's asking that of you, Nick Philpott. He, he's trying to send out a hook, see if I'll bite on it, because he knows exactly... What I think about that horrible little ginger twat. But you're saying no to that, of course. But that, that's actually, what... I'm saying I'm not actually. Whilst I can't stand him playing for uh, Southampton, I've, and I've always maintained this. Would we have him in our in our team? Yes, of course we would. Okay, interesting. You should say that because not everyone shares that view. Not everyone shares that view. Fergus, do you share that view? Um, I wouldn't have him. I don't think he's the right fit for Palace. He's very good at set pieces, but. No, I, I, I wouldn't have him in the team. And, you know, he, he is the best at set pieces, but is he that much better than, you know, an Eze or an Elise once they step up a bit and improve no. a little bit more? They're both no. really good at it as well, aren't they? You know, so I don't think we need him, to be honest with you. Which begs the question, you know, and it's always the same with the teams that are going to get relegated. You know, their best players will leave. You know, it's happened to us before now. Um, when we've been relegated, those players up. And, and off, you know. Um, so let's have a let's have a finish, finish this show in in about five minutes or so. But who's going to get relegated? And 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 the supplementary question to that is: out of those three teams that are going down, which of their players would you like to see Palace go in for? So I'm going to start with you, Nick, because I know you've got the uh, the Carl predictor, so you you can refer to that if if you want to cheat. Um, no, I won't refer to it, but there's only one team out of the... I think the bottom two are sorted anyway, Okay, in my opinion. The bottom two will go as they are. It's, it's one of two left to go. And in my opinion, it's, it's either Everton or Leeds. And everybody knows my thoughts on anything that comes out of Merseyside. So we know which one I'm going to go with. I want Everton to go. I'd love Everton to go. Would I take anybody out of the Everton team? Probably not, if I'm, I'm brutally honest with you. I mean, Calvert-Lewin. Okay, I'll, I'll come back to that supplementary part in a minute. Let, let's let's get the others as well. So you're saying Everton, Forest and Southampton. What about you, Ferg? Uh, Southampton, Forest, and then one of Everton or Leeds. But I'm yeah, hoping it's Everton. Everton, hopefully. You're going the same as Nick, are you? Everton, okay. Southampton, Forest, Everton, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Tim? Southampton, Leeds, Everton. Southampton, Leeds. Really? So you think Forrest will get out of it? I think they will. Have you seen their running? Mm. We've seen other teams running. I mean, at least, you know, Forrest were unlucky to lose 3-2 in the end to Liverpool yesterday. So I, I just think they'll they'll get out. I mean, 
I think Everton's on borrowed time. Leeds are just woeful at the moment and they're just nothing there. So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to go for something a bit different and that's, that's what I think. I love your optimist, optimism because uh, I'd love to, two big clubs like Leeds and Everton to go, but I, I can't see it myself. But... Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with you guys that it's going to be Forest and Saints and I would go with Leeds. Perfect. I think Leicester will get out of it. I think Everton will get out of it. I think Sean Deitch, he'll find a way. He'll find a way. Um, but yeah, Forrest a bit unlucky on what I saw on the highlights yesterday. I hit the bar at the end when it was 3-2, you know, and... Um, Interesting, you know, Bournemouth's not been mentioned by anyone, and they lost four 0 today. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> Bournemouth. You know, <laughs> and they've still got to pay us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bournemouth seem to have got called their way out of it, didn't they? Until today, you know, and I haven't seen any of the game, but they, they it looks like they were pretty poor today to lose four 0 at home to West Ham. But, um, but yeah, Here we go, Nick. I've, I've got a question for you, Nick. Would you be okay with us losing against Forest if it meant Everton got relegated? I can no, never say I don't, think you can, I don't. I don't. I want punters to win every game they play, and you know, I absolutely, I'm not into any kind of match fixing, um, which is interesting because it's happening in the Championship at the moment, isn't it? Have you seen that Burnley um, are being investigated for fielding a weakened side against QPR and a couple of other games as well? Since they were guaranteed their promotion, they've lost three on the spin. Which um, maybe just because they've been out celebrating too much, who knows? Um, but there we go. Um, Nigel's put loads of stuff in there. It's far too much to read. Sorry, Nigel. Um, well, Ian, you mentioned players that we would take. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that now. So, so, so who would you take, Ferg? So Southampton, Walker Peters, possibly, um, and they've got a young midfielder called Lavio, who looks pretty decent. Is he the lad that scored the goal and assisted, and then got taken off at half time? What, against us? No, against Arsenal on Friday night. Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I, didn't I think so, yeah. Think yeah, so. it could have been. Yeah. Okay. He, so, he looks no, okay. Uh, Who else? Forrest, Nico Williams, possibly. I'm thinking like left, right. <laughs> we need some... Um, <laughs> yeah, he's um, a right back, isn't he? Yeah, left backs and right backs. Um, turn, um, I call him Tchaikovsky, but Tarkovsky or whatever his name is, defender. He's probably their, their best player. Calvert-Lewin, I just think, has made a glass. He's too much of a, a liability. You know, you'd be paying him a fortune and he'd be always injured. And yeah. um, Leeds, I'm struggling a little bit, but Harrison, possibly, from Leeds. There's no one that stands out, really, is there? You know, nah. that you think, oh, you know, like, look at them. What about you, Nick? Who would you, who would you go for? Um, seriously, probably James Ward-Prowse uh, is the only one. That Lavio guy you mentioned, I think he's he's a great prospect, and I think he's he's pretty good. But it's, I think the biggest issue there is on all of them. Okay, everybody that's been mentioned so far is the budget. We haven't got that sort of budget to take mm. players of that caliber, existing Premier League players. I know they've been in the Championship, but existing Premier League players, our budget isn't there for next year. Yeah, a lot of love for Johnson of Nottingham Forest in the chat. Um, yeah, he didn't start yesterday against Liverpool. He was on the bench. He came off the bench, but he didn't start. Interesting one. Okay. And Tim, finally to you, anyone that you like the look of? To be honest, not really. I mean, they're all teams who are going to get relegated. There's none. I mean, I know Ward Prowse has been mentioned, but really, as far as I can see, all he does is wind Wilf up, 
and take free kicks. And yes, he's good at that, but we couldn't probably afford his wages and we've got enough players that could do that anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Bamford, someone said, no, no, no. Bamford, absolutely not. But um, Ian, weren't we saying that about Roy Hodgson not so long ago? No, no we were no, actually. No. Yeah, we, you know, I mean, I quite hold my hands up. You know, I said, you know, I can't believe we're taking Hodgson back. But, you know, what do I know? I know nothing, of course, you know. I just host his podcast every now and again when uh, when Nick Nick can't be bothered to do it and just wants to be on the show. Um, okay, so um, we go to Wolves on uh, Tuesday night. We go we got West Ham at home on uh, on Saturday. So quick predictions, prediction time at the end of this show. Um, what's the score going to be up at Wolves? Fergus two one Palace two one Palace and um, Nick one one. And Tim, one nil to Palace. One nil. I'm going two nil Palace. All right. So, um, and West Ham at home. Same order. Tim Berg. Uh, I'm going to go draw West Ham. Mm, I think yeah. it's going to be one of our draws. Yeah. Uh, score. Um, one all. One all. I'm going two one. Two one Palace. Yeah. One nil. Either way, don't know. Do too. <laughs> <laughs> That's rubbish. Yeah, right. good. One nil West Ham. There you go. One nil West Ham and loss. Okay, and I'm going for a three-one win. I'm hugely optimistic now. Wow. You know, we, we've got to win these games, and um, and why not? Um, but so it's a busy week coming up. Really excited about this week. Uh, Travelling up to Wolverhampton on Tuesday, and then we've got the early kickoff against West Ham, um, and then we'll be back on Sunday next week for another show. Um, Nick, are you hosting next Sunday? I believe I am. Brilliant. Okay, that's good. I think I might be on as well. I'm not sure yet, but uh, there will be four of us here talking all things Crystal Palace. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. So from me, Ian Noble, Fergus, Nick and Tim, very good night to you. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everyone.